0: Well, let's get started. This is uh we're still in the series Oh Sleeper. Um let's recap this series so far. Week 1, I talked about um waking up to God's will, talking about um it kind of gave uh this catapult for how we were going to talk about this series. Um and also through it I talked about uh meditating on the word when David says, "I've hidden the word in your heart. I've hidden uh your word in my heart that I may not sin against you." Uh, hidden also means meditation and also memory, memorizing, which means commit to memory, learn by heart, memorizing scripture. Week two, last week we talked about um, wake up your worship, and we talked and I talked about how worship makes you aware of the battles that you're facing, and it creates um, it creates this this winning offense when you worship God, not just in your praise not just in lifting your hands, but also in your obedience to him. So let's start week three. I want to start with a passage of scripture. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36 through 31 is where we're going to, what we're going to jump into. This one is about, uh, this is Jesus literally about to be crucified in just a few hours. And this is what Jesus has to say to his disciples. Then Jesus went to them, went with them, the disciples, to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. When Jesus said, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death, another translation says he was anguished. Also, his soul was full of sorrow. His soul was full of sorrow. Another, another example of that, how somebody explained it, is that when you're full of sorrow, it, it usually ends up being sadness or being depressed. So in this situation, Jesus is basically dealing with something that a lot of us have often dealt with, whether it's sadness, depression, or a circumstantial depression. His soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Verse 39, he went a little farther and bowed his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Let this cup of suffering be taken away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watching, pray, so that you will not give into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. This whole passage is a whole example of why prayer is so important. Prayer is one of the biggest essential things to the Christian faith. And in this moment in time, there are two great examples in this passage. The first example is Jesus actually going to prayer when things got horrible. How many of us have skipped the prayer to worry about the situation? How many of us have worried more and prayed less? A lot of us in this room can relate to that concept because a lot of us have done that. A lot of us have gone to the state of skipping prayer, skipping what you're supposed to do as a believer that brings real truth into your life and cause yourself to become anxious Worrying Yourself. So tonight I want to talk about, with the title, tonight for week three, we're talking about Woken Prayer. Woken Prayer. Let's pray over this word. Lord, I pray that your word sits deep within our hearts. Lord, help us to listen and let your word dig deep. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I kind of relate to the disciples. The reason why I do is because they fell asleep. Um, I've I've caught there's only been one time. So I was homeschooled. I didn't really go to sc- I didn't go to public school. But I know usually sometimes in public have you ever heard somebody snore in school at all during class? So the only time I personally heard someone snore was in church. And that's the worst place to snore. Because literally you're not just in a little room with maybe 20 people. In the classroom, you're in a whole church. You're in a whole sanctuary. So they're there's snoring. This was actually at a church that I went to from before, before I came to Family Life. And the snore was so bad that, and here's what's even worse the pastor never addressed it. He just kept snoring throughout the whole service. And this was a big church. They, they probably had maybe 600, 700 people in the service, and literally, kept snoring. The pastor said nothing about it. He just kept going with his flow and never said like, hey, can somebody wake him up? The dude was completely asleep the whole time. And I was like, dang. And I'm sitting in the back and I'm like, somebody's got to wake him up. I was too young to do that. I was like probably like seven or eight at the time. So I didn't want to like be weird and get up. But, But I think we've all related to that obviously because sometimes when life is a lot, or maybe you didn't get as much sleep that night. Life is exhausting. Life can be an exhausting thing, especially I'm gonna tell you right now, the most times the a lot of the times when I'm exhausted are the biggest times where I'm at the most stress. I'm not I'm never usually tired just because like I've pulled all nighters as a teenager. Like, I've, I used to do it all the time. I used to, like, if there was, like, a new game coming out, I would wait till midnight for the release and then play it throughout, like, till like, 4 in the morning. I can pull all-nighters, and those don't make me exhausted. But, but I find myself, even as an adult now... Realizing that stress causes my exhaustion a lot more, whether it's stress, anxiety, anxiety causes a lot of that, whether especially it may be for some of us in here who have major panic attacks, that also causes a lot of physical exhaustion. When we fall asleep and not able to stay awake, we miss everything that's going on around us. We don't know what's being said, much less retain of any information or we don't even listen well. So in the same way, I want to ask you this question. Are you spiritually dozing off? Are you spiritually dozing off in your walk with the Lord? Maybe you're like the disciples who are trying your best to be the Christian you're supposed to be. But the problem is is that life is just so weighty right now or life is so... It's, it's, it's impacting everything in your being and it's causing major exhaustion in your life. And you feel like you can't do anything. Maybe, like, I've, I've read this online. There's a lot of the signs of either distress, depression, anxiety, maybe, maybe um, loneliness, whatever, is that one of the biggest symptoms is that you become lazy. I can't tell you how many times I've come back home either from work or coming back home from maybe a, a very conflicting situation. And I come home just exhausted and lazy. Or even, even, this is even worse. Even coming home when I'm not exhausted, when I'm not really in a distress, if depression is hitting me that bad, it usually causes me to be lazy. Laziness is one of the symptoms. And God warns us if we begin to fall asleep spiritually, we will miss what's happening around us. So the question is, are you spiritually nodding off? What is causing your spiritual nodding off? Are you allowing the worries of life dictate your prayer, your, your energy, your attitude, your perspective? All of that is altered when you're spiritually nodding off. I talked about spiritually sleepwalking last week, but spiritually nodding off is even worse because you might be on a roll and all of a sudden you start to just doze off spiritually. And this is very, very important to understand that we need to challenge ourselves. I'll actually allow the Lord to challenge us, allow the Lord to speak to us and return to the heart of God in prayer. Luke 21, 34 through 36 says, watch out, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be dulled by um, corrosing and drunkenness, but by the and by the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap. See, the funny thing is, is that you're mostly attacked when you are unaware. Ninety-nine point nine percent of the time, when you feel attacked either by the world or by the enemy, or maybe you're just really, really exhausted is when you're not preparing yourself every day in prayer, in worship. When you're not preparing yourself, you are unaware and you're not, you're, there's an awareness. I talked about this in worship. Worship is awareness. Worshiping is an awareness, whether it's praising praising with your hands or praising with your decisions, your obedience, your attitude. That's what it comes to, being aware. Like a trap, verse 35. For that day will come upon everyone living on the earth. Keep alert at all times and pray that you might be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. The phrase watch out is significant because the worries of our life usually cause us to spiritually snooze. A lot of you in this room might be spiritually snoozing because of how impacting the world is. And especially in the situations in your life because that can cause a lot of downfall and it can cause a decline in your spiritual walk when you're not watching out. I'm not just talking about because you can be aware and never watch out. You can be aware and never be prepared. So the goal is to be aware, but also be prepared for the fight that is coming every day in your life. Every day, you have to prepare yourself in the Lord. Every day. For some of you that are just walking every day, just walking through life, blindlessly and just not being unaware, you're basically just a leaf in the wind. You're basically just going with where the wind takes you, and that's all you are. But in Christ, you have a purpose. In Christ, you have a responsibility. What is that responsibility? To be a Christ follower. And how to be a Christ follower? You do the essentials, and you do what the Lord has told us to do in the scriptures. And you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love others. You have to continuously do that. It is a fight, but you have to understand the spiritually snoozing is usually caused by the worries of life. Let's go back to Matthew twenty-six, um, verse thirty-six through 30, 36 through forty-one. This story, obviously, as we talked about, is relatable because another side of it, because I talked about how Jesus was in distress, in distress, and what did he first go to? Prayer. Jesus didn't go seek a best friend to chat to rant about his crucifixion. He didn't go watch videos to just encourage him. Obviously they didn't have videos back then, but what I'm saying is is that he did not jump to any other need that was outside of prayer. The first thing he jumped into was prayer. That was the first significant thing. so what that says for us today, how do you apply that? You apply it by If a situation is heavy in your life, you need to go to prayer. You need to jump with Christ into prayer at that very moment that you are dealing with stuff. The moment that you try to figure something out on your own, when you're fighting something, it never goes well. It never ends proper. I can give you some examples. There is certain people that have hurt you in your past, people that are hurting you right now in your life, whether it's in school, whatever the the scenario is, you have things in your life that are hurting you. And what should the first thing you do? It should be this. Because if it's not this, this is really corny, so just bear with me, just bear with me. If you don't do this, you'll end up doing this. boom, you'll end up doing something that you will eventually regret. I'm not just talking about physical fighting. I'm I'm just, that's an example. But what I'm saying is, is that you will end up reacting in the flesh instead of reacting in the spirit. And it causes you to sin and you're worse off than the person who hurt you. You're worse off than the person that has distraught your life. You have to learn to jump into prayer. Jesus is making the perfect example. Jumping into prayer is the number one solving problem to all of your issues and decisions. You have a big decision in your life, whether what college you're going to go to or what job you're going to take or do you want to get in a relationship, prayer should be the first thing. Or maybe you have a distress in your life. Maybe you've been brokenhearted. Maybe you've dealt with trauma in your life that is not healing right now. What should be the first thing? Prayer. Prayer should be a jump to that. Look, I still, even to this day, I still recommend prayer and therapy. Those are the two things I always recommend to people. Prayer, you need Jesus in all of it. If Jesus is not in it, then you can boast and say that you got healed on your own, which is not the case. But number two Therapy is important because there's a lot of therapeutic things that the Lord uses to open up things in your life that have been damaging you. And why do you act act the way you act? Why do you react the way you react? Why do you respond that way to the way that thing is responding to you? That is true depth and looking inside yourself, finding what's going on. So prayer and therapy, I do those two things. So you need Jesus and you need a good counselor. All of that with what Jesus is showing us in this first example is prayer. Jesus jumped on prayer, and this dude was about to die. Homeboy knew what was going to happen. Homeboy knew the beating he was going to take. And what did he jump to? Prayer. We can't even jump to prayer when we get a negative comment on Instagram. How can we not do that? But Jesus... Yes, he was fully God, but he was also fully man to feel the distress of the flesh. He knew what his destiny was. He knew what his purpose was. But that meant that his flesh, his humanness would die, but his spirit would resurrect and he would give us salvation. So he had to keep walking through that. But imagine the scene. Here's the second one that I think it applies to us just as much As Jesus in distress praying. Imagine the scene. Jesus is about to die on the cross. His only friends fell asleep on him when he needed their friendship the most. Have you ever been slept on? Have you ever been forgotten of? That's another relation to Jesus. Jesus understands when you're rejected or when people sleep on you or your potential or your, your greatness or your significance. Jesus understands that rejection. He even said it to the disciples. I, I think Jesus had the perfect response. You couldn't stay up an hour with me? You couldn't stay with me in this? When I was at the lowest point, you couldn't stay? Jesus relates to us in the fact that you have been slept on by people you trusted. But the goal of what Jesus is teaching us in this scripture also is that falling asleep on someone is pretty humiliating. But imagine falling asleep on Jesus. In his moment of distress, while he's prepared for the crucifixion, he was about to die for them and they couldn't even stay awake with him. The call for these disciples to stay awake is just as relevant to us today as if It was to their situation. We can't fall asleep on the Lord. He is calling us to be awoken and pray. He is calling us to a deeper relationship through prayer, through spending time with him, through his scripture. The bottom line is wake up your prayer. How do you apply this? How do we finish this off? How how can you truly apply this to your life? So I already gave you those two examples. When Jesus was in distress, he prayed. When he was in distress, he went to his father because he knows that he can find comfort and strength in the father's presence. Number two, we got to not be like the disciples and sleep on Jesus. I wanted to say this in the beginning when I said go deeper with Jesus. Jesus is an ocean. Knowing who he is is far deeper than you can comprehend. So stop chilling in the kiddie pool. Stop chilling in the kiddie pool of Jesus and get into the ocean of Him and deepen your relationship with Him. You want to know what happens when you get your deeper relationship with the Lord? It costs you. The deeper your relationship with Jesus goes, there's a cost. What cost is that? It depends. It depends on where your heart is at. The deeper you go with Jesus, there's going to be things that Jesus is going to look at and go, that needs to get out of your life. That's distracting you from me. That right there, you've put that on the throne of your heart. I should be on there. Move it out of the way. There's going to be things that Jesus is going to ask you. He's not just going to be like, hey, just brush it in the corner of the house. No, it needs to get kicked out the door. The deeper you go with Jesus, the more it's going to cost. What does that mean? That means there's going to be friendships that won't work. There's going to be relationships that will never work at all, whether it's dating or it's friendships. The deeper you go, the more it's going to cost you. So think about that next time you come to church. No, I'm joking. You got to really consider it. Don't just follow Jesus because he's your ticket to heaven. It's deeper than the ticket to heaven. I'm just telling you right now. It's deeper than the ticket. It's a relationship and it will cost you. You know what's funny? It's a, I'm telling you, everything collides and connects with Jesus. A relationship with Christ is like the covenant marriage that we are all taught. The moment that you say I do, it's over. It's done. What is it gonna cost you? A lot. I'm happy to be married, dude. There's nothing better than being married. But I'm telling you right now, there is a cost. What's that cost? Your pride? What's that cost? Your your opinion about everything? What's the cost sacrificing your life for that person? It's a cost. It's not something that you get out of it. The cost is, is that you are giving your whole life to that person. Jesus is the same way. All he asks is in return is for us to love him deeply. And how do you love someone deeply? You respect what they want. There's things, there's things that I don't find interesting anymore because I'm married. Why? Because I am going with what? She, Sarah, is desiring in both of our lives. She does the same thing for me. Jesus is the exact same way. If you think Jesus is just the genie in the bottle, you don't really know Jesus. You don't really truly have a relationship with Jesus. But you have to apply this to your life. How do you apply this? Let's get back to prayer. How do you apply this? Pray every time you think about it. Same thing as With memorizing scripture, when scripture comes on your mind, quote that scripture. If you know it by heart, quote it. If you can't, Google it. If you if you think of prayer, man, I want to talk to God right now, then you jump on that. You jump on that. Prayer is a lot easier than memorizing a scripture. It's way easier than memorizing a scripture. Praying is simply connecting with God. Yes, you can pray to him about your needs. That's important he meets our needs praying praying for things in your life that's great but don't always come to god with a request come to god with lord i want to know you a bit more i want to know you a bit deeper than i did from before pray every time you think about it 1st Thessalonians 5:16 through 18 always be joyful verse 17 never stop praying Always be joyful, never stop praying. Verse 18, be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Those are also three major components. Remember this. Always be joyful, never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So what's God's will for your life? To have the joy of the Lord, to never stop praying to him, talking to him, and being thankful in every circumstance. What do those three things do in your life? I'm going to tell you because I experience it. It changes your perspective. It changes your attitude. And it makes you trust God way more. When you're joyful, when you never stop praying, and when you are thankful in all circumstances. It's that simple. We've we've complicated so many things about God and how to get close to him that we have created lists and tiers of who can talk to God or not or who can be more joyful than this person or not or who can can have a better attitude or not. You can have a bad attitude and jump into the presence of God and I'm telling you, when you jump into the presence of God, it changes your attitude when you walk out. It does all of those things. But the choice for you, because you have free will, the Lord doesn't control you. You're not some robotic robot for Jesus. That's not what you are. You have free will. You have every free will to accept Jesus or deny him. You have that opportunity. That's your choice. The Lord cannot make you do anything. But the choice is yours. To go deeper with him or to just stay on the surface and never get the benefit of this earth of what Jesus is giving you. Right here, right now. Never stop praying. The challenge to this scripture is vital. Because this was Paul's final advice to the Thessalonians and 1 Thessalonians 5. And it's applying for us today. While it's tempting for us to be lured into spiritual slumber, we must stay alert with joy, thanksgiving, and prayer. It changes our perspective. It changes your attitude And it causes you to trust God more. Listen to me. You know what that also means? That means you're going to have a bad attitude. You're going to have situations that are going to boil your blood. You're going to have moments where you don't feel thankful because you ain't happy in this moment because life sucks right now. You're going to deal with that. And number three, you're not going to feel like praying. You didn't want to talk to anybody that day. Why would you want to talk to God? All of those three things are not just a simple flip the switch, but it is a spiritual muscle that needs to be worked. That's why this series is about spiritual habits is that you have to, it has to become a habit. A habit is something you do over and over and over and over again. It's not just some one time thing for y'all looking for a one time pop up magic moment. It's not like that. It's never going to be like that. It becomes a spiritual habit. It doesn't just have, to, it, and that's another thing, for your prayers, for how you pray. I'm going to give you an example. All of my life, my biggest insecurity growing up as a believer, being in church most of my life, was I was scared to pray out loud, especially to other people. Have you ever seen that meme where it's like how I pray in my head for how I pray out loud? It's so different. Like when you pray in your head, you feel like a freaking warrior. Then when you pray out, you you feel like this little crumb that people are like staring at. Like it feels awkward. That's how I felt my whole life. The insecurity was I could not pray properly out loud because I would hear everybody else pray, and they're praying all these majestic prayers. They're praying all these prayers that are like, Thou art our father in heaven. The scripture says, thus David. I've never, I've never prayed like that ever in my life. It bothers me. It used to bother me as a teenager, but I'm like, man, maybe that's how you're supposed to pray. No, that's not how you're supposed to pray. The way you're supposed to pray is to communicate with Jesus. Communication. Okay, so for example, think of, that, think of that bestie that you know. Y'all slaying all the time, all right? Y'all slay every day. I'm never using that word again. You know that best friend, and you know how you talk to him. Like, like you're comfortable around them. So you feel like you can chill, you can laugh, you can chat. It's the same, same energy and attitude with God. I'm not saying go in there and don't respect his presence because he's the Lord. Don't forget that. Walk into it with reverence. But for us to think that we have to be nervous to talk to him, the Bible says come boldly to his throne of grace. Why would I become nervous to somebody who has already adopted me through Jesus? I can't be nervous about this anymore. I can't be scared to talk to him anymore. So like when I pray with you guys, when I pray a lot with you guys, it's not, I'm not praying some majestic major prayer. I'm praying simple prayers because simple prayers are the most effective. Because you're being honest with what you're praying about. You're being honest with what you're praying about. So the mission is it doesn't have to sound extra spiritual. Just talk to God throughout the day, like you would with that close friend. Some of y'all are like, man, with my close friend, I don't know if I want to talk to Jesus like that. (laughs) I don't know if I want to talk to Jesus like that. But you know what I'm talking about, that comfort moment where you can just have that conversation. That conversation with Jesus is brutal. It's brutal because we feel nervous because this is the God of of the universe we're talking to. This is this is the one who created all things, created me, created space, time, the cosmos. He created all of these things, and I'm having a conversation with him. Yeah, it can be intimidating, but I'm telling you right now, the moment you start talking to the Lord like he is that close person in your life that you can talk to, that is a true prayer life. A true prayer life, yeah. It, listen, I pray for different stuff. I pray for for spiritual things. I pray for deliverance. I pray for healing. I pray. Sometimes I do get a little majestic when I pray because I'm in the zone to pray. But sometimes it's like, Lord, man, today was tough. Today was a today was a smack in the face. Today wasn't fair. I need you to comfort me because this is this is too much today. This is too much today, Lord. You have to be true and honest and speak simple with the Lord because the Lord is that simple. I'm going to give you an example why the Lord is that simple. When Peter, when Peter, I'm I'm going to use this illustration and then end the the sermon. So Rachel, you can come up right now. When he, when Peter walked on the water, before he actually walked on the water, Jesus was obviously, you know, Tapping on the water, walking on the water. And this is what Peter did. He said, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come on the water. I will walk on the water. You know what Jesus said? Jesus didn't say, Come forth, my child. Jesus didn't say, For the word says, da 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 da. Jesus said, Come. He said, Come. That's the only word he used. He didn't have to create all of these words to impress Peter. Jesus is that simple. Here's another cool thing that I learned about that scripture, about that story, about that passage. I think the reason why Peter was able to walk on the water, obviously because he had his eyes on Jesus, because it says when he looked at the winds and the waves, he fell. That makes sense. But I think another big reason why Peter walked on water was because he was walking on the word that Jesus spoke. When Jesus said, come, when, when the words of Jesus spoke, because the Bible says he's the word. When Jesus spoke a word, Peter was able to walk on that water. Why? Because he's the word. So another application you can put to your life is to walk on the word walk on what the scriptures are speaking because he is the word Jesus says in John 1 1, in the beginning the word was with God and the word was God he is the word every time you think about prayer or even just the Lord take a moment and awaken that prayer awaken that moment in your life where you're needing him the most One of the biggest things is that maybe you're afraid to pray because also you're trying to believe for something and you feel like it's not going to happen. Whether it happens or not, this is what I've learned in my prayer life. I will believe it whether it happens or not. I will believe for it whether it happens or not. So anytime somebody comes up and they want me to pray for them, And they always doubt it. It's like you don't know what God's gonna do. He does whatever He wants. If He doesn't, we'll still praise Him because He's still God. But if He does, we'll praise Him because He did it and He is God. I pray no matter what the situation is, whatever it is. But the worst one I had, and then I'm gonna close. Every pastor ever, I'm gonna close. One of the most detrimental moments of me having to pray for someone, this kind of put me in a spiritual slumber as a pastor for a little while. There was this lady that needed prayer. And can you lower my mic? It's it's going to say Jacob's uh, headset. Okay, that's good. Awesome. This lady that we had to pray through us pastors when I was working full time here, we would have to do a, a, a prayer like a, like a like a cover weekend. So basically, like if if somebody needed a hospital visit or if I need to pray some with someone over the phone, I would be covering that weekend and I would take the phone calls so the pastors wouldn't have to take the phone calls. Um, and I was covering one weekend, and I remember um, I remember going and getting a email saying hey this lady, i forgot her name i know pastor rob knows her name and she had she had cancer or something like that so i was going to go pray with her i'm like yeah we're going to believe that this cancer is not going to stay in her body that she will live and not die um and i got a call from pastor rob and said hey look i, I know her personally i'm going to go pray for her um come to find out sarah knew her i don't i, I still don't remember her name but Sarah knew Sarah knew who the lady was, and she told me that she had been following what she was like on Facebook and stuff. She had terminal cancer. That means it was inevitable; she was going to pass away regardless. And for me, in that moment, it hit me because what happened was I saw something impossible. I saw something impossible, and stopped believing. Because if it's stage one or stage two cancer, we, can, we feel like we can, it can be beaten in Jesus' name. But with terminal, it becomes a harder prayer to pray. I'm not saying God can't heal that woman from terminal. But what I'm saying is tonight, you need to pray no matter if it happens or not. Why? Because if nothing happens, your relationship with Jesus should go deeper. God not answering a prayer should not lead you to disappointment. It'll lead you to two places, whether in your own disappointment towards why God didn't do what you wanted him to do, or it drives you deeper, starting to understand God better, realizing he is the maker of heaven and earth. Praise the Lord who gives and takes away. The Lord's prayer, the prayer for the Lord for our life is to believe whether it happens or not, that's true faith. True faith is not being blind and saying this will happen. That's only for God to say. But also, faith is not also doubting the prayer. Well, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if her leg doesn't get healed from that infection? What if, what if, what if this relationship doesn't work out the way it was supposed to in my brain? How, what if, the what if prayers never are never effective but here's the beautiful part the what if prayers God hears those God hears those prayers so the challenge this week is to awaken your prayer and life is going to hit life is going to hit you're going to get you might get phone calls that you're not ready for like I was as a pastor but I'm telling you right now the moment those moments you have to be prayed up and ready you have to be prayed up and ready Jesus was in distress he prayed when Jesus was in a depressed moment he prayed when Jesus was dealing with the hardest thing of his life going to the cross and dying he talked to his father. So awaken your prayer. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Oriana, can, close, can you turn the lights off? Thank you, baby. Thank you. All the way. Thank you. I hope what I told you about this story, about me praying for this lady, does not defeat your faith. I pray that it builds it. Because I feel like you can relate to that. Because you're probably thinking, why would a pastor, like Pastor Jacob or Pastor whoever, why would, they, why would they say something like that? Don't they believe that God can heal? Absolutely. Scripture tells us that God is the healer. We truly believe him. But the one thing that has always walked me through the grief of why this isn't working is that what is God's will? You know how we have free will? God has a will. And God's not going to force his will upon the people. Only if you ask. So every prayer I pray is, God, let my will align with your will. What is God's will? For us to love him. For us to deepen our relationship with him. What's another part of his will? Loving others unconditionally. Loving each other in this room like we're brothers and sisters in the kingdom. What's another one? Praying over people. Praying. Spending time in prayer. So in this moment, I want you to ask the Lord Bible says, you, you, I'm trying to remember where the scripture was. You have not because you have asked not. This scripture in context is not just talking about praying for whatever you want, but praying and finding out what is in God's will. You have to communicate with God. You have to communicate with the Lord. So, in this moment, just ask the Lord, Father, I need your help to awaken my prayer. Holy Spirit, we need your help. We need your guidance. We need your favor in prayer. There are going to be days, Lord, help me, help us to make the choice to pray. Help us to make the choice to talk to you in places of discomfort and also in places of victory. Father, we need your spirit. Let us not be like the disciples who sleep in a moment of urgency. Lord, I pray that we would awaken in the spirit, that we would awaken in prayer, that we would awaken in your power for our life. And Lord, whatever your will is, Lord, let it be done. Lord, if this thing in my life or in their life is not working out, and we've prayed for it, show us what your will is. Lord, we know that you understand our whys and our what ifs. But Lord, we also believe that your will is what we want to know. Let us not be bitter. Let us not be, let us not, let us not be weighed down by these things. Father, I ask that our prayer life would increase so our relationship with you can be deeper than it ever was. I pray that we would stop playing in the kiddie pool and I pray that we would jump into the ocean that is you and that we would seek you deeper and deeper and deeper every day of our life, every moment that we can make the decision to. Lord, we thank you that you're awakening our prayer. And I pray that you would help us to make the choice to seek all that you are and not fall asleep.